afternoon and we have food and a party after. Anything else? The devil will tell you later. <laughs> How exciting, 15 years. So just for a tiny little, just, just to sort of understand what 15 years looks like in my life, I, start, I started coming to this church in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s. I was dating this really hot girl. And then I actually married her that same year. So that's actually how I know uh, how long we've been married. Um, or is it the other way around? I mean, it's the other way around, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to say. No, that's not true. I actually don't. I can never keep track of either. Uh, but th- this is just amazing how we look at our lives. And, and, and th- this church has been such a significant part of, of so many of our lives. And, and as we're in the prayer meeting before, we're just sort of reflecting on the lives that have been uh, healed here, supernatural miracles that we've seen where cancers have been just supernaturally healed, brain aneurysms supernaturally healed, stroke uh, symptoms supernaturally healed, um, marriages restored, addictions broken, people, uh, so many people have come to know Christ. Uh, and, and a lot of us will even know people that were important to us, that we prayed for, that are now in church. They were far from God and now they're in the family. And it's just so exciting what God has done in the past 15 years. Um, and I'm just excited for the next 15. Okay, so we've started studying a series as we're reflecting on where we've been, where we're going, and we're calling it generational mindsets. And, and I think that's something that our culture, and when I say our culture, I'm talking specifically about um, Australian, Western uh, Western culture, Australian culture, we are um, what they actually call a low-context culture. Now, a low-context culture is actually talking about uh, where we sort of think and we really identify with ourselves. We're very individualistic and we understand ourselves. and we th- there's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of great things about the way that we do things. We take, um, but one of the downsides of a low-context culture compared to a high-context culture is in a high-context culture, uh, people are less individualistic. They actually look, it's not so much about me, it's about us. A family group is much tighter in, in these cultures. And I was talking with a, a friend of mine who, uh, he pa- he's an Indian guy who pastors a church here in Perth as well. And as we were discussing just different dynamics of, uh, of things we didn't even realize were different in our cultures, I'm t- as I'm talking to this guy, I'm He's talking about just how natural in his church a generational mindset is, how, how, how often they, they, they're just thinking about the next generation. With their building fund, for example, that's just a normal thought for them. The well, okay, we're going to be thinking about our kids and how their chur- the church is going to look for them and the facilities that are going to be available for them. People from these cultures, they think nothing of sacrificing significantly to put their kids in private schools to give the, the next generation that leg up. Whereas our culture... It's nothing unusual to see someone in white Western Australia with a sticker on the back of their caravan saying, uh, this is, I'm spending my inheritance before, <laughs> before I die. The, the kids are getting nothing, I'm, you know. And, that's, and this is in a, in a, in a low context, because this is just a way that we were raised. So many of us were raised like this. I was raised like this. It's normal in our culture. And, and it, it, the problem with that is, is that we we really lack what other cultures take for granted, and that's this generational mindset. 
And I just think that we need to change. Everyday church need to grow in this area, myself included. We need to be men and women who will take responsibility for the next generation. And the crazy thing is with this, and this is what I really want to screw down on this morning, is we use words like sacrifice. We, we use words like sacrifice for the next generation, but there's a funny thing about sacrificing in God. He never calls it that. The principle of biblical sacrifice is actually better described in terms of sowing and reaping. It's cause and effect. And, and that's what I want us to really, I'm just going to just show you how the world, no, not the world, the, the enemy, the devil has seriously gotten into the church and really ha, ha, is trying to derail a successful Christian life. And, and, and what I would love us for us to do as men and women of faith is be people who will take responsibility to pass this on and normalize this for the next generation. Amen? Amen. So just to give you a, a little bit of my background, and a lot of you would have heard, so, you know, enjoy hearing it again. Um, I, like, I come from, like, m both of my parents came to Christ out of addiction. Um, when I was very young, a little church you may have heard of called Hillsong, um, in the early, early 1980s in Sydney. They came to Perth because there was some legal issues that they were <laughs> getting away from. This is after a house got burnt down over a drug deal gone bad. And, and they were, you know, and we were, we started again, we started in a tent. And, and, and but they came from, my dad, his mum was a drug addict. His mum gave him up for, uh, put him in an orphanage at the age of three. He talks about waiting at the gate on visiting day all the, from the first thing to till dark when the workers would come and bring him in saying, she's not coming to visit you. My mum, she was raised in, in a, her father was a serious alcoholic, a great, a lovely man, but he had, he had some serious uh, challenges in his life. He, he grew up in a tin shed with a year six education. So the life he gave my mum was far better than what he had, but he... He, it was a very dangerous and toxic environment that she grew up in and was raised. And her mum was born to a 13-year-old who, who was married at literally a shotgun wedding that included a shotgun. And she was brought up by her stepmom because her father went to prison for murder. And this is, what, this is the background that my family come from. And this is what I was, the generational things that w we were so far behind in our thinking and just what was normal and what we just, we had no idea. And so much of what I was, was able to, the maturity and what I was able to sort of present as, as a person in my teens and my 20s was because of the amazing steps my parents took to, to grow and to learn. But they were, were only able to, to, to give what they could give. And, and fortunately, as we, Melissa and myself, are parenting our children, we hope that we're giving them and norm making things normal for them that are so much beyond what we received. And, but the, 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 the fact of it is, is that we all come into the life and come through life and our mind is being shaped by the world around us. There's a scripture in 
Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2, and it says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we come with this broken mind, this, this, this damaged on so many fronts, and we allow the Word of God to transform us and grow us and to develop us. And then it says that, be transformed as our mind is renewed. That transformation is phenomenal. It's actually uh, the Greek word that this is translated from is metamorpho, which I'm probably totally butchering, but the clearest picture in nature of a metamorpho, metamorphosis is where we get the word from, is a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. God's saying as your mind, as your thinking is corrected, your life will transform to the degree of a caterpillar transforming to a butterfly. Imagine a caterpillar crawling along a branch, seeing a beautiful, totally different in appearance, totally different in characteristics, totally different in ability. And and that's what God says I want to do in your life. And I can do through a restored mind, through a renewed mind. Now, my thinking on this is imagine if our children start, start where we finish. That their baseline is our high point. And how cool would that be? How cool would that be that our children are starting their baseline isn't coming out of the gutter, isn't all this other, we're able to actually present to them the truth of the Word of God. And that's their normal, that's their core belief, that's their core values, that's the way they process the world. Now what I really want to show you is how the enemy has gotten into not just the world, but into the church to derail our thinking and bring us so far below what God actually wants for you and for me. He's keeping us as a caterpillar while God is calling us to be a butterfly. Guys, I know it sounds weird to be a fancy butterfly, but if we just move from a crawling object, crawling little bug to a flying bug, you get that and that's cool too. But that's what God wants for us. And all I want us to do is have a, have a real quick look at, in, in Scripture, I just want to show you something. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. This scripture is so pregnant. It is so pregnant. Can we keep that up, Mel? Can we get that Hebrews 6 and 11 up? Without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to be in a pleasing connected relationship with your heavenly father impossible means can't be done it means it doesn't work it means you are not in the relationship if you do not have faith you are not in relationship with God if you do not have faith this is we call this a faith walk we receive our salvation by faith and it quantifies faith here there are two core characteristics that 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 require that are required for faith in God the first one is that he exists. We see so prominently the attack on the existence of God from the enemy in our world. Remember we said we're studying the scripture that says don't conform to the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world the, the, there is an enemy an act that is actively trying to convince our children that there is no God. There is an enemy that is act, actively in our education system teaching from kindergarten to university that these people come from an amoeba that developed went into a tree, climbed, a monkey climbed a tree, fell out, knocked, and it's your uncle. This is actively being taught in our schools. Yes, I'm being facetious, and I know I'm, but you get the gist of it. The enemy is actively trying to break the first part 
of this faith that says you must believe that he exists. Fortunately for those sitting in this room, we made it past that point. So he's like, right, missed that boat, but I have another chance. Melissa, put it up, please. He exists. Must believe that he exists. Okay, what? Missed that one. Hang on, it doesn't make any sense. The theory of evolution is so flawed on so many levels that I just am staggered that intelligent people even believe it and propagate it. He exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this is where the devil has his second crack. You, by the fact you're sitting here, I'm assuming you either believe that God exists or you're open to the idea or maybe someone that you've come with is and, you know, and you're just supporting them. But the majority of us here believe he exists. The enemy's next attempt then is to convince you that he is not a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because he doesn't have to convince you that, the dev- that, that God doesn't exist. That's just the first thing. If he can convince you that God's not a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that also disqualifies us. You have to know there's a God and you have to believe his nature. <laughs> Otherwise, you cannot be in a pleasing relationship with God. That's faith. That's the relationship God desires. So what I would like us to do this morning is to really, I'm going to screw down on that second point. I've personally seen too much. I'm either totally insane because I hear God speak to me. So that means I, if there is no God, then I probably should go get myself looked at. But we're at the point now where, okay, well, we, we, we struggle with the nature of God. Do I believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? That word rewarder is actually, if you break it right down, it's a two-part word. It's a paymaster, someone who compensates for services rendered is really what it sort of means. It's not a, uh, oh, you know, Pastor Adele had uh, the pulled out the things. Or you get a reward. No, 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 that's a surprise. A re- the, this word reward is like you've, done, you've worked and at the end of the week here's your wages for your labor. That's actually what it means. So we... As believers, cannot simply believe in the existence of God. We must believe in the benevolent, generous, faithful nature of God. And the devil will do everything and does everything and has done everything to try to stop us believing that. And because of that, we see the church fall short on so many fronts. We see men and women of God fall short on on so many fronts. We see our lives so far below what God calls us to. We see caterpillars walking around. We experience a caterpillar being a caterpillar walking around, and we see lives, and we think, "How do they get up there? Why are they doing that? Why are they so happy? Why are they healthy? Why are their families flourishing? Why are they able to trap? Why why they've got these resources to be able to be generous? And I would love to be generous, but I can't." Why? And it just seems to be this unattainable thing that's out there. But I'm not there. It it, it comes to this second point. We need to get it. We need to believe this. We need to interact with it. Because faith, guys, faith without works is dead, the Scripture tells us. So this faith, believing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, that doesn't mean we just intellectually process that. That's not what it's talking about. Faith is talking about believing and obeying. (laughs) Believing and acting. Interacting with it as truth. 
So this is where I want to take us to the next step. Is, is I just want us to see, we, we've got to break some stuff here. We have to break some stuff. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 35 verse 27 says this. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Those, talking about those people who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually. Let them say continually. That is so, such a critical little word and little phrase in this passage. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So you've got to say that all the time. Continually, that is an ongoing, constantly, always. Always be saying God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, his children, his, you and me. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. It says, doesn't st- it says don't stop saying that. Don't stop saying that God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Don't stop saying it. Why? Because the world, the pattern of this world, if it can't convince you that God it doesn't exist, it tries to convince you that God doesn't take pleasure in your prosperity, that God doesn't take pleasure in you thriving, that God is not a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him because it's like gravity. Gravity is pulling you dead to, to a place where you do not believe in the goodness of God. You do not believe that God wants to be good to you. That's why we say continually. Say continually. Say continually that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now, to really understand to understand this, in Galatians chapter 3, uh, there's, it, verse 7, I'll read it through and then we'll, we'll get into it. Understand then, Galatians 3 verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith, remember, this whole thing is about scriptural faith. This whole thing is about actually the church being men and women of faith. That's all this is about. This isn't some wacko prosperity gospel. This is just the Bible. This is basic faith. This is literally the faith that, that, that God says, this is the faith that pleases me. It's not high for looting. It's not down in the gutter. It's not trying to get anything from you. This is just... This is how God interacts and He wants us to understand Him and He wants us to interact with Him on His level. He says, this is how I do it. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, you and me, unless you're a Jew, then that's not you, <laughs> would justify the Gentiles by faith and, and, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And this is the gospel. Because he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham, and this is what he said to him. All nations will be blessed through you. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That all nations will be blessed through Abraham. That's the good news. That's the good news. Uh, So those who will rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then Galatians 3 goes down and it talks about Christ becoming a curse, being hung on a tree for you and me to pay for our sin, to, to, to wear the curse that we deserve for violating the code of God, for violating God, for walking in rebellion to God. And then it goes into uh, to verse 14 and it says, He redeemed us. Jesus died and paid the price for you and me so that in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. God 
wants you to walk in the blessing of Abraham. As much as he wants us filled with the Holy Spirit, as much as he wants us walking with healing in our body, with peace in our minds, and all these things, he wants us to actually walk in the fullness of the blessing of Abraham. And to understand that, that's talking about relational blessing. It's talking about having children. It's talking about having a, a strong and healthy family. It's talking about be, having, being rich in resources. It's talking about being prosperous in business. It, 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 it's, it's so broad. And that is the gospel. It's a God, literally the gospel is that God wants that blessing to come on as many people as will have it. As many people that will come into that relationship of faith with him. What is faith? Believing that he exists. Believing that he wants to be good to you. Believing he rewards those who diligently seek him. Rewards those who interact with his cause and effect uh, environment. That's the gospel. God says, come in. Come in and be part of my family. That's, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not overly complicated. There are lots of complicated little bits and you can get as, as fiddly as you like with it. But the broad brushstroke is, is that God loves you. He wants to, you to be in relationship with him and he wants to be good to you. That's the gospel. Jesus died so that you can come into relationship. The price was paid. The violation that we as humans made in rejecting God in not believing that he exists, not believing that he wants to be good to you. See, Adam and Eve believed God existed. They didn't believe that he wanted to be good to them. That was the violation. The devil was able to tempt them. In the Garden of Eden, the original sin, the actual thing that broke covenant with God wasn't not believing that Adam and Eve didn't believe that God existed. That wasn't this, they actually stopped believing that he wanted to be good to them. They thought he was holding out on them. And they stopped believing that. And that's what broke covenant. That's where sin entered the world. That's what broke the relationship between God and man. It wasn't not believing that God existed. It was not believing that he wanted to be good to them. That's where sin entered the world. We fall into the same trap if we let the same lie permeate our heart. Where are we going for time? I've got so much more to say. Thank you, Jesus. There are a lot of lies that we believe because we do not believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. There are a lot of lies. Can I tell you one of the big lies? Hard work brings wealth. You know, your kids will talk to you about how do I succeed in life? How do I get financially healthy? You know, work hard. No, no, sorry guys, not the answer. People in sweatshops, probably some of the hardest workers alive, slaves. They don't have anything. It's a part of it. It's a part. There are lots of parts. But it actually says here, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22, says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. The blessing, what blessing? The blessing of Abraham that he wants for you and me brings wealth. goes on, without painful toil for it. Doesn't mean God doesn't want you to work hard doesn't mean sometimes that hard work is going to hurt. It means that is absolutely unconnected to your wealth. That's to do with your mission. It's to do with your calling. That's to do with the, what God has called you to do on planet Earth. It's the blessing that brings wealth. We've lied and said we can circumvent the blessing by working hard. So we don't have to get it from God. We get it from ourselves. It's a lie. That's gotten into the world. It's gotten into the church. Most of us have said those exact words to our kids. When they ask, how do we get ahead? Don't, I'm saying I've got no problem with you telling your kids to work hard. 
but just don't tell them that's how you get wealth. So that's how you succeed. That's how you, so many benefits to working hard. The Bible tells us to work hard. Proverbs, the exact book that that scripture is out of, says so many places to work hard. But that's a lie that hard work brings wealth. Because there are slaves that work harder than you and me that have got nothing to their name. And this is where God's starting to confront these things. This is where, whereas we're in a building fund, this is where we're able to really have a look at this. Have a look, you want to, I'll really wreck your head right now. This is Jesus talking, so don't get angry at me. And everyone, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. We sometimes think paying the price means we miss out. Jesus is saying here, no, paying the price is sowing and reaping. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Melissa and I went at the very first time we did the very first building fund faith pledge we did. We were praying and we said, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to give? And just before that time, we were looking at our family future and financially trying to work out how we can set up a stable platform for our family and, and, and thinking generationally. And we worked out, okay, well, there's a certain amount of equity in our house. Well, if we were able to remortgage, there's a, we can invest that and look to, you know. And then with that first building fund, God said, we felt God saying, there's your seed. There's your seed. It was, it was all the equity in our house. It was tens of thousands of dollars. And, and, and God, we felt God saying, hey, put that up. And, and we actually gave up. We're, we're going to purchase another property with that. We gave that property up and, and gave it to God for this house that we're building here. For this place that we're hoping to secure in Erebah. We didn't know where it was, what it was. We just knew God's calling us forward and we're in. And the mind says, the world says, you give that away, it's gone. But can I tell you that when we gave that away, Thinking was broken in my head, bad thinking, wrong poverty thinking that I had from generations, that, that was normalized over generations. My parents, <laughs> you think it was bad what I, I told you guys? It goes back, well, they came over on the first fleet as armed robbers on a ship, Spotney Bay. <laughs> That's my heritage. It goes back. They were derelict criminals generations before the ones I told you about. This poverty thinking came through generations and it was broken was broken when we put God first in that area. And I'm not saying there isn't work to go, and I'm not saying that this renewing of the mind isn't an ongoing process, because it is. But I know, I tell you what, it was a big rock that was moved that day. And can I just tell you that we put in all of our savings, all of our equity, everything we had, and we went back to zero. And a short time later, felt God called me to, to come off staff at the church and to go take a huge leap of faith. And I'm like, God, don't you understand? Like, this is my job. Pretty important to have a job, you know, work hard, get money. <laughs> and, and all these different things. And, and, and we've been on this faith journey where we've just watched God do so much with so little. 
we've watched God just do so much with so little. Melissa's only on part-time on staff here at the church. I was working, trying to make, it my, uh, trying to make a business succeed, and, and COVID just killed it. And I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm so sure you called me to this. What are you doing? And then in the middle of all that, we felt God say, hey, go and buy a house by the beach. All right, um, you realize how this all works, right? And then we call up our broker, and we're like, hey, we want to buy a house by the beach. And he says, you can't buy a house by the beach. Look at your income. I'm like, but I want it. And we put it forward, and then, and then God just started to move supernaturally. And we'll be moving into that house before the end of this year. It's being built as we speak. Super, God did, we gave up a house. It says here that you get 100 more. It says that. Believe it or don't believe it. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, is what the scripture says. It says if you don't believe that, you miss out on the interaction that God calls you to. So when we're thinking generationally, we think so often about the price we have to pay today, what we're going to miss out on today. Look, I'm going to be pretty blunt right now. Cognitively, this is the thinking that goes through. If your head's anything like mine, which I'm guessing it is because most of us are, you know, West Australian cultures, very similar to mine, Western culture. You're thinking about the generations, your children. You're thinking about the generations being people that are going to come after us in this set. So that might be in five, five years' time. We're not, we're and then you're thinking, well, what am I going to miss out so that they will be successful? What am I going to miss out today so that other people are going to get born again, so other people are going to get set free from addiction, so my children will have a home? And then we're like, well, they're actually not important enough for me to sacrifice this comfort today. That's the, that's the thought. That's the thought process. We're, Melissa and I are not in any way, shape, or form encouraging anybody to go into debt for this. We do not want that. We think that was a unique thing that God called us to. And what we are saying, though, is let's, as a church, let's stop spending our children's inheritance. Let's start to invest for the next generation. Let's be thinking ahead. Let's be thinking, what is the best way I can resource my children to succeed? For me, one of the things I'm really excited about is giving them a church. <laughs> really excited about that. Personally, Melissa and myself are thinking we would also like to sacrifice now so we can put our children in private school. Yeah, it's going to be a sacrifice. Yes, it's going to take... But we're thinking the generations. We're thinking, you know what? The options that are available, this is what's going to be best for them. We, we know this is all a faith step. This is all by faith. You look at the numbers, it doesn't add up. But God is not too interested in the numbers. Yes, we be wise. Yes, we have a budget. Yes, we use common sense. But we don't let the thinking that we've been conditioned to think, supersede what God speaks to us. We don't let the thinking that we have been conditioned to think, the way that we've been conditioned to think, supersede 
what the Bible says about the nature of God. We don't allow it. Instead, we hear the word and let that change how we think. And that's what the Bible says here, describes it as the renewing of your mind. It says when your mind is renewed, your life is transformed, transfigured. Metamorphosis takes place. Not in your mind, in your life. I'm going to pray. I started by saying that faith starts with believing there is a God. And for some of you, that might be a, a, a new notion or a notion that you've never actually taken seriously. Maybe even mocked. Well, there's a fairy tale of you know, some imaginary invisible person in the sky type thought. But I'm here to tell you today that he's very real. The scripture says that the invisible created the visible. The invisible is eternal and the visible is temporary. Personally, even though I grew up in church, when I was old enough to decide for myself, I told my parents I wasn't going to church anymore. and went off and lived life my own way for a period of time. At the age of 21, my life was terrible. And I made the decision that I was going to reconnect with God. And can I tell you when I did? There was a peace that flooded my heart that was so tangible. There was the forgiveness I felt was so tangible. An eight-year drug addiction, five years of it as a heroin addict was broken instantly. As a person, I changed so dramatically. My uncle, who I used to do drugs with, he says, Jacob, you still look like Jacob, but you look like a nicer, younger version. This God is real. He loves you. He's paid the price so that you can come home. If you'd like to start that relationship with God today, we're going to pray a prayer as a church. And I would invite you to pray it with me. Online, in the house. We're all going to join and pray this together. Just repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to come home. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I need you. From today forwards, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Just if with every head still bowed and, every, and all their eyes still closed, nobody looking around. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you just want to just slip your hand in the air just so I can see it, I'd love to pray with you a bit later. If you're online, let us know. We'll get some resources to you, some free resources. Yeah, I see that hand there. I see that hand there. God's done a miracle in your heart this morning. A new life started. This is day one. I just want to pray for us as a church as well, all of us, because as much as we might believe that there is a God, 
sometimes it is so hard to believe that he wants to be good to us, that we can walk this faith journey. Lord, we just pray for grace. This is where grace comes in, church. We pray for grace, Lord God, to do what we can't do by ourselves. Lord, give us the strength to interact with the impossible. Give us the strength to believe even when everything inside of us contradicts what we've always learnt. Lord, we want to live a life that pleases you. We can see from Scripture that this life's amazing. Help us to enter into it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Oh, wow, so excited, guys. Hey, for you guys that, that, that lifted your hand, I'd love to have a pray with you and have a chat with you afterwards. So please don't rush straight off. We've got um, be able to get some resources to you. So um, we've got, we're going to do the announcements or sing. Okay, Adele. Fantastic. What a wonderful message. Can we put our hands together?